while we pray together to start. Lord, just lift up this time to you. We need you just as much right now as we do when we meet together. And I pray you'd help us. Pray you'd help me to be faithful to your word and have the right attitude and love to you and love to people, even though we're not all here together. I pray you would knit people together, even though we're not meeting. And we just hand this time over to you. Amen. Well, one thing I would like to say just to start is still that we miss seeing you guys. And I might encourage you, since we can't do prayer meetings, still maybe everyone, if everyone called one person and just said, how can I be praying for you and really prayed for them? That would be a big deal and it would be a blessing. So I just encourage you to do that. And just want to give a little idea of the plan for the next couple weeks in terms of messages. Would still really like to start a book at some point, but it seems like with doing it over video and things like that, it might be better to wait and to start a book until we come back together. So, Lord willing, we'll start a book of the Bible just going through verse by verse when we get back together. But right now, I thought it would be good just to take this time to go through some big themes of the Bible from 20,000 feet, you know, a high view from Genesis to Revelation, just some of the big themes of the Bible. And so that's the plan. And I'm going to do that. Lord willing, for a couple weeks. So today, if you want to open your Bible to Genesis 3, we're going to read a verse in Genesis 3, and then if you'll put your finger there, and also open up to Revelation chapter 21. I'm going to read this to start, and then go over this theme in the Bible, and try and make it all the way from Genesis to Revelation, and 30-ish minutes, so we'll see. So let's start in Genesis 3. We're going to read verses 8 to 10. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? So that's the passage from Genesis, and then Revelation is chapter 21, verses 1 to 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, 
and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. So the theme I want to talk to about today is the presence of God. The presence of God with people, with the people of God, and then the absence of the presence of God. And this is a theme, and it's one way that you could summarize the message of the whole Bible. The message of the whole Bible, in terms of the presence of God, is God created the world good. God was with Adam and Eve in the garden. He was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, Genesis 3, 8. And then what happens? Adam and Eve sin. Adam and Eve sin. They do what God told them not to do. And what's the result? The result is they hide themselves from the presence of God. They hide themselves from the presence of God. And God calls to them, where are you? Why aren't you here, you know, with me? Why are you hiding yourself from me? And then he comes out. They tell God that they were afraid and that they sinned. And then what? what's the result of that? If you jump ahead a little bit in Genesis to chapter Chapter 3, verse 20, chapter 3, verse 23, it says, Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. So the presence of God started out being with man. It started out where man and God were together, where there was fellowship, and then sin separates, separates man from God. In two ways, man hides himself from God, and then God casts man out of the garden. So there's a separation on man's side, man separates himself from God, and there's a separation on God's side, God casts man out of the garden. And then the whole Bible is that story, over and over and over again in different ways. And the ending of the story of history is Revelation 21, where God reverses what happened in the very beginning in Genesis 3. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. So God's back in the presence of men. God's again dwelling with men. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. So, what was broken in the fall is put back together in Revelation. And this theme is throughout the whole Bible. And really, this is the gospel. This is a big piece of what the gospel means and is, is the good news that man can once again be restored to live in fellowship in the presence of God. And so, let's just go through, there's going to be like I said, a 20,000 foot view, we're not going to dig into the scriptures, really, we're just going to go move from scripture to scripture to scripture, and just see this over and over and over about either man being with God or man being separate from God, and also the repeated theme of sin separating man from God, because that's the real cause here, isn't it, of the separation between man and God is sin. So we're going to go really fast, I'm going to read a ton of verses, and just see how God, being with his people or being absent from his people, is this big theme in the Bible. So I'm going to go pretty quick, and we're going to do a lot in Genesis, and then 
a phase out and then do some New Testament and then we'll apply it. So Genesis 4, 14. Genesis 4, 14. This is Cain. Cain sinned. And what happens? Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. So this is Cain. He killed his brother. God calls him out. And he says, what's the punishment? Cain says that from your face, that's God's face, I shall be hidden. What's the result of Cain's sin? He's driven away from the presence of God, just like Adam and Eve. It's just a repetition, once again, of Genesis 3. And we're only one chapter away. And then verse 16, Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. And that, again, just again, the presence of God, sin separating man from the presence of God. And yet, there's some hope. Look at chapter 5, verse 21. Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So there's this story, strange account here, right in the middle of this long genealogy, and what is it? It's this guy named Enoch, and what? Is he living away from the presence of God? No, it says he's with God, he's walking with God. And even death, it's almost... It's almost a foreshadow of what we read in Revelation. He doesn't die, it seems like. You know, all the others, so-and-so lived so many years, and he died, so-and-so lived so many years, and he died. And it says Enoch doesn't say that. It says he was not, for God took him. So he's not away from the presence of God. He's with God, and even in death, it's not described as death. It's described as God taking him. And so... And at the time, just after, or not too long after Adam and Eve fall, there's this man who somehow seems like is living in the presence of God. How is that? What doesn't, we don't know yet. Jump ahead, Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And so again, we've got another person here. Although man is separated from God, cast out of the garden, somehow there's this ability to walk with God, to be in the presence of God. And Noah was one of the men. Then jump ahead, Genesis chapter 18. Three to five. This is Abraham. O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree, while I bring a morsel of bread, that you may refresh yourselves. And after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. So this is the account where God comes to God comes to Abraham, and he's in the form of a of a man, apparently, with some angels. And he talks to Abraham. And what's Abraham say? He says, you're here with me, don't leave. Stay here. Stay with me for a while. Let me serve you. And God says, okay. And 
he lets him. So this is, this is an amazing account. I don't know how much Abraham really knew of what was going on here, but the reality is, is that Abraham was with God. God met with him, and he talked to him. And he even tells he even tells him later on in this chapter what he's going to do in terms of Sodom and Gomorrah, how he's going to destroy it. And so here's, again, a man who yet, it seems like, though is sinful, God is with him and is able to dwell with him. Genesis 28, 15. This is Jacob, and this is what God says to Jacob. Genesis 28, 15. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. So here's another. It's a descendant of Abraham. It's, it's Jacob. And here he is. God promising him he's going to be with him. He's, he's going to be there. He's going to not leave him, which is an amazing promise and really unbelievable thinking about Genesis 3, the sin. How How is it that God can be in the presence of sinful people? Why would God promise to this really imperfect guy, Jacob, that he's going to be with him and he's not going to leave him and he's going to be there? Genesis 35, 3. Again, Jacob let us arise, Genesis 35, 3, let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been, has been with me wherever I have gone. So this is toward later on in his life. And he's saying, what God promised, he did. He was there with me wherever I have gone. God was there. I've gone all over and yet God has been with me. I've been in the presence of God. It's, it's encouraging. Genesis 48, 15. This is Jacob blessing Joseph, and he says, Genesis 48, 15, He blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, so he's saying, they walked with God, and the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. So he goes on to bless Jacob, to bless Joseph. But what Jacob is saying here is that God was with him, and he was with Abraham and Isaac, but he was with him, and he was his shepherd all his life long. So here we see in Genesis, there's there's all, all this talk of God being with man. And at, at the same time, we see that God is separate because of sin. God can't dwell with sin. And so sin separates man from God, and yet somehow God is coming to these sinful men and, being, and dwelling with them, and they're in his presence. Exodus 3, 2. Sorry, Exodus 3.12. This is God, again, talking to Moses. And he said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have 
brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So here's Moses, God's sending him out, and what is God's message to Moses? I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to be with you. What, what an encouragement. Genesis, sorry, Exodus 15, 17. What, is, what do the people of Israel say when God brought them out? Now they're out of Egypt. God's delivered them. Exodus fifteen seventeen. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. So this is the song after they've been delivered from Egypt. This is Moses' song. And what is he saying? God delivered us out of Egypt. Why? So you can bring your people in to the promised land and you're going to make, bring them on your mountain, the place where you've made for your abode, the place where you're going to dwell, your sanctuary. So he's saying, you brought them out, you brought us out so that we could dwell with you. We can be in your presence. Now, one more story from Exodus, and this one's a little bit longer. Exodus 33, Exodus 33, 12 to 18. Moses is, this is a familiar story of Moses talking to God, and he's talking to God about the promised land, and God's upset again because of sin in the people of God, and he's saying that he's not going to be able to be in the presence of the people. He's not going to be with the people because sin is going to separate him. So Exodus 33, starting in verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you. In order to find favor in your sight, consider too that this nation is your people. 14. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, and I in your people? Is it not in your going with us that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. So this is just after God said he's not going to go with the people because of their sin. He's not. He's going to send them in the promised land, but he's not going to go with them. And what does Moses say? Don't. Don't send us into the promised land if you're not going to be there with us. If you're not going to, if your presence isn't going to go with us. From here, I'm going to go just big picture and a lot quicker because we've already used up a lot of time. But as you can see already, just over and over, the presence of God is a huge theme in the Bible. Here Moses is just pleading, please be with us. What what does it matter if you send us into the promised land if your presence isn't going to go with us? That's why we're different, he said, than the other nations. It's your presence. So I'm going to go quickly and just 
highlight some verses. In Leviticus, God says to Aaron, any of your descendants that are, any of your descendants that have a blemish, they can't come into my presence and serve me. If there's, in that case, it was talking about kind of the outward blemishes, but it's a symbol for the inward reality of sin, that if there's sin, you can't come into my presence. And so that's Leviticus. Uh, Joshua, what does God say to Joshua right at the beginning? I'm going to read you a verse here from Joshua chapter 1. This is what God says to Joshua. He's the one that actually ends up bringing them into the promised land. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Don't be scared because I'm going to be with you. And think about just these big themes. Why is God bringing out the people out of of Exodus? So they can be with him. That's what he said. And why does he make the tabernacle? And why do people go into the tabernacle? The tabernacle is that God is going to be with his people. God's going to fill. You remember what happens at the end of Exodus? God filled. God's glory fills the tabernacle. There's God right in the midst. It's always in the middle of his people. And then jump ahead. Not just the tabernacle, but what about the temple? Same thing. What's the temple a symbol of? The dwelling place of God right there among his people. God's with his people. And the same thing that happened at the end of Exodus where God fills his temple, happen, fills the tabernacle, happens the exact same thing with the temple. His glory comes down. I'll read you a little bit of that from Second Chronicles. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. So here, there they are. They finish the temple and what happens? God fills it with his glory. There he is. God's with his people. And again, is that, is that the whole story? Is it always that God's with his people? No, the story is also that sin separates God's people from his presence. And that's what the exiles are. That's what Jeremiah 24 talks about. I'll read that to you. Jeremiah 24, four to seven. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Like these good figs, so I will regard the good exiles from Judah, whom I have sent away from this place to the land of the Chaldeans. I will set my eyes on them for good, and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not pluck them up. I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. So here's these exiles, they were sent out and God said, I'm going to bring them back in. I'm going to be with them. So this is the whole idea of, again, the presence of God. And then the, the, really the climax of this, the separation that started in Genesis 3, what's the solution going to be? How is it that God is always going to dwell with his people And why is it that as God dwells with his people, they always keep turning from him and he has to keep exiling them and keep sending them out from his presence. And then they repent and he calls them back into his presence and brings them back. Why is that? 
Why does, why does that keep happening? And what's the ultimate solution? Well, the ultimate solution is Jesus, right? This is all pointing to Jesus, that God dwelling with his people in a tabernacle. What was that pointing to? Jesus. Remember John 1. He tabernacled among us. He dwelt among us. And uh, what about the temple? Jesus in John chapter 2. He's the, he's the temple. He's, he's the temple that's going to be destroyed and rebuilt in three days. He's the greater than the temple. Jesus is God with us, isn't he? Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, if you want to look at that. Matthew 1, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Jesus is the God with us. Jesus is God with us. It's the whole, He's the whole consummation of all these promises and the restoration of all that was broken in Genesis 3. Here's God right here with us. And what is He here to do? Well, He's here to call us back into His presence and to make a way for us to live in His presence, isn't He? That's what that's what he was here to do, John 1. John chapter 1. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to those who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. So here's Jesus. He comes to his own people. He, he, it's God with us. Here, God's coming to dwell with us. And what happens? Some don't receive him. Some don't. Some reject him. And others do receive him, believe in him. And he gives them the right to be called children of God. He draws them back into his presence, into his family. And so this is the story of the, of the Bible. People separated into two groups, those apart from the presence of God and those living in the presence of God. How does it happen? How is, it, how, is someone, how is someone cast out from the presence of God? It's sin. Sin separates people from God. And yet, not only is it just sin that separates people, people choose willingly I don't want to be, live in the presence of I want to be apart from God, just like Adam and Eve. Your sin was not only something that separated you, it was something that you chose, a, a, some, a choosing to be separate from the presence of God. You don't want to live in the presence of God. You don't want God to be there with you. You want to do your own thing. And it's always both. It's God saying, you can't be in my presence because of sin, and it's people saying, I don't want to be in your presence. I'm choosing something over that. I'm choosing my sin over that. It's always both. And yet there's this solution. Those that are out, cast out of the presence of God, there's good news. And it's Jesus. The gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the good news of Jesus Christ? It's that we can be with God. Here's God coming to be with us. That's good news. Here's God coming to die for us. Why did Jesus die? What was the purpose of Jesus' death? Yes, it was to forgive our sins. There's a lot of purposes, but what's the ultimate purpose? Look at 1 Peter 3.18. We've talked about this verse 
That's a lot. But look at 1 Peter 3.18. Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh and made alive in the spirit. Why did Jesus die for us? That we might be brought back into the presence of God. Yes, it was for our sins. Yes, it was so we wouldn't go to hell. But what? Why? Why don't we want to go to hell? Because Jesus isn't going to be there. Why do we want to go to heaven? Revelation 21. Because that's we're going to be with God there. That's the whole point. We're going to be with God. That's what heaven is. That's what Jesus says heaven is. Did Jesus die to give us eternal life? Absolutely. What is eternal life? Look at this verse here. I'm going to read this verse to you from John 17. This is Jesus. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And then I'm going to read, jump down and read verse 24 from John 17. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you love me before the foundation of the world. What's the eternal life that Jesus purchased for us? It's God being with us. It's us being with God. And what is Jesus wanting? Why did he come? He says he wants his people not to be punished. Well, that's true. But he wants them to be with him where he is. That's what he says. That's what he prays. And so this is the theme of the presence of God in the Bible. It was broken in Genesis 3. And yet, God came down. His presence came among us. Why? So he could restore and bring people back into his presence. That we could know him. He died on the cross. Why did he die on the cross? That he might bring us to God. He's wanting us to know God. He's wanting us to live in his presence. So, let's... Uh, wrap this up. This is a lot. Like I said, this is a 20,000 foot view. You know, we're flying over the terrain. You know, as soon as we look down, you see a house and the next thing you know, it's gone because we're going so fast. And that's the way we're looking at all these passages. We could just look at one of these passages and spend weeks and weeks. And there's so many that I didn't cover. I and mean, there's a verse in, in Habakkuk right at the, actually, I think it's Malachi right at the end where he says, Return to me, and I'll return to you. That's one of the last things he says to his people before the, you know, a couple hundred years of silence before Jesus comes. Come near to me, and I'll draw near to you. Return to me, and I'll return to you, is what he says, the way he says it in Malachi. And that's what James says in the New Testament. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. And so let's just think about this, and let's just apply it. We'll start with non-Christians. We'll start with non-Christians. If you're not a Christian, you know what is this, this thing that makes me so sad for you? If you're not a Christian, you don't... It's not that you're going to go to hell and then that's going to be hard and suffering and there's going to be suffering. Although that makes me very sad. That's not the thing that makes me the most sad. The thing that makes me the most sad is you are not going to know God. You're going to not be with God. You're not going to be in the presence of God here in this life and for eternity. That's the sad, that's the saddest part because the good, the good news of 
Jesus is that we can be with God. We can have a relationship with God. We can know God. We can be in his presence. And the bad news of sin is that you're apart from God. The thing that's so sad about hell is not the suffering. It's that it's that Jesus isn't there. And that's really the cause of the suffering. You're apart from God, the giver of all good things. You're going to be apart from every good thing because every good thing has its root in God. That's the saddest part. And when, you know, when we pray for you, if you're lost, we're not praying mainly that you won't be found guilty or or that you won't suffer or that you'll 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 have an easy life or something like that. We're we're wanting you to know God, have a relationship with God now and forever. And when we say eternal life, it's not just that death makes us sad, which it does, but that if you don't know Jesus, you can't have life. There's no real life out outside the presence of God. The life you're living right now as a lost person isn't real life. You're alive, you're breathing, but you don't have real life because you aren't living in the presence of God. You don't really know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with Him, and that's not life. He is life. He's the bread of life. What is life? Life is really a gift from God, and it's lived in the presence of God. That's the only way real life is lived. And so that's why, if you're lost, we're sad. And that's the call of the gospel. The call of the gospel is, you can know God. You can be right. You can be reconciled to God. Your sin is a problem. Your sin is a huge problem. Why is it a problem? Not just because you're guilty, but because your sin separates you from God. And so the cry to you today is, come to God. Be reconciled with God through Jesus Christ, through His blood. Turn to Him. What's repentance? Repentance is you're running from the presence of God and you turn around and you say, God, no, instead of wanting to be far from you, I want to be near you. I want to know you, not just now, but forever. That's repentance. Many of you, I think, are are like the prodigal son in Luke 15. The prodigal son, you remember in Luke 15, he has a father. That father represents God, and he says to God, to the father, give me all your possessions, you know, give me my inheritance, give me the money that, that you're going to give to me, and, I, and then he, the father gives it to him, and he runs off into a distant land away from the father. Is that you? Do you want all the good things God can give you, but you don't want to be in the presence of God at all? You don't really care about knowing God. You just want the good things he can give you. Is that you? What you need is repentance. You need to see when you're far from God, that real life is not there. And you need to turn around, just like the prodigal son, and say, I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to be with him. That's what you need. You need to see, man, this life that I'm living, just enjoying and taking in all the good gifts from God and not enjoying God himself and being so far from the father himself is not worth it. I want to be with my father. That's what you need if you're lost. And that's the way everyone lives if they're lost. That's the way we have all lived. Not caring about the presence of God, about knowing Him. What about for the Christian? For the Christian, this whole theme is what? 
it's it's a call and it's a reminder. Praise the Lord. What's the good news of the gospel? That we can live and know God. God can come down and be with us. And he has in Jesus Christ. He has come down. And then what? He left, didn't he? But But what did he give us? He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And what does he send? He sends the Holy Spirit. I'll be with you. And he is. He's with us. God is really with us. We are the temple. The presence of God is where we are because God is in us. We we are the walking temple. We're living stones building up this temple of God. The dwelling place of God is us. And it's open, right? God opened the way to be in the presence of God. Remember the veil is torn and now it's it's an open access for every Christian. You can go into the presence of God. So the application for you is just a reminder. Praise the Lord for what he did. This break that happened because of sin that we can't be and we choose not to be near the presence of God has been has been fixed in Jesus Christ. It's been restored. We can know we can go into the presence of God again. Praise the Lord for that. But let me ask you this. Is there a real desire in your heart to be in the presence of God? Do you have a desire to be with God? Every Christian does. Every Christian wants to be with God. But my question to you today is, do you need to pray to God, increase my desire? Is your desire waned? Has you, has your desire grown cold? Do you wake up in the morning and pray, desperate, God, please be with me, be be near me. I want to be in your presence today. I want to feel you today. I want to know you today. I want to walk with you all day. It's easy, and I just, preparing this has really shown me, man, it's easy to to lose that longing. I mean, many verses we didn't cover. I'm just going to read you a smattering of verses here from the Psalms. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the house of God forever. O oh Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. One thing have I asked of the Lord, and one thing I will see, I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. I mean, can we? Are we're Christians? We have access. Can we? Say that? Are we praying that? God, one thing I want to know is I want to be with you. That's the one thing I want. Above all things, God, I want to be in your presence. I want to know you today. I want to dwell in your house. Will you be near me today? Is that the cry of your heart? And if it's not, pray, God, please rekindle the the first my first love. I want to be near you the way I wanted to be when I first became a Christian. I want to cry out, God, Draw near to me every day, today and every day. Above all things, what I want today, God, is not a comfortable life, is not things to go smoothly. What I want above all things, God, is to be near you. I want that for me. I want that for you. Here's the good news. I mean, the promise of God is what? What's the promise of God for those who do want to be in his presence? Think about some of these verses. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
If you want to be near to God, He wants to be near to you. He'll come to you. You will be able to live in His presence. For the Christian, the border, the barrier has been broken down. And you can come boldly into His presence because of the blood of Jesus. One more verse from the Psalms. A day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. This is what we want as Christians, isn't it? This is the reason sin is disgusting to us. Why do we hate sin? Why do we want to run from sin? Because sin will rob us of being able to be in the presence of God. What is it we want today above all things? What's better than everything else? One day with God is better than a thousand days the way we used to live apart from Jesus. Where our whole life, our whole joy, our whole identity was wrapped up in having fun and or being a success or whatever and there was no God there. One day lived with God in His presence. A day filled with the presence of God is better than a thousand days as a lost person enjoying God's good gifts but not enjoying Him. Isn't it? And I... My prayer for you, if you're a Christian, is just that God would rekindle that desire. That you could pray like the psalmist, as like, as a deer pants for water, God, so my soul pants after you. I want to be near you. I want to know you. That's the reason he died. That's the reason he died for you. And I want you and I want me not to lose sight of that, not to lose sight of the blessing of that, that we can dwell with God and and one day we're going to forever, but that we can now. The blessing of that and also the promise that if we want that, God will draw near. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this time. I do pray that even though this is a little bit longer sermon, that it would be helpful to people, that people would be able to enter in. And God, please, for the lost, I pray that they would see that they, the the sadness of not knowing you. And I pray, God, for all of us that are Christians, that you would rekindle desire to be in your presence and that we the cry of our hearts would sound so much like the Bible. A day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. As a deer pants for water, so my soul longs after you. God, I pray, please, would you rekindle that desire in our hearts? We want to be near you. We don't want to be like a horse that has to be kept near by a bit or a bridle. We want to draw near to you because we love you. We don't want to be like a wife that doesn't want to be near her husband that runs off all the time and and never comes back. Lord, we want to be fully in love with you and drawing near to you all the time. Only you can do it by your spirit, God, and I ask that you would. Would you rekindle that and would you draw near to us today? Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that you are the God with us. Thank you that you were willing to become a man and be near us at all and make a way for us. Thank you for eternity, looking forward to eternity with you in your presence. We just lift all these things up to you. You're a good God. Amen.